It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is John Christophe Bidos, President and Chief Executive Officer of Maison Burks, a leading manufacturer and retailer of luxury jewelry and watchmaking since 1879, based in Montreal. Jean Christophe was formerly with a high end jeweler, Boucheron International, based in Paris, where he served as global president and CEO after a distinguished career with the Richmond Group in Paris and London, including president and managing director of Cartier's for France. He is a skilled brand builder in the luxury retail sector. He earned a Master of Science in Business Management from London Business School and three bachelor degrees, respectively, from the University of Paris-Sorbonne, Trent University in the UK, and Toulouse Business School. Born in Morocco, he lived in France and England until 2011 and now resides in Montreal with his wife and four children. Jean-Christophe Bidot's welcome into the corner office. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Brad. Ah, great to have you here. And we spoke a week or so ago and, you know, I'm kind of checking in with with all of our guests and uh, how things are going in the pandemic times. Uh, it's, of course, stretching a little longer than we all had hoped. But how have you been? How's your family? And of course, how's your organization been holding up through these well, uh, luckily, somewhat challenging times? Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope, yeah. I hope you're fine. Uh, luckily, you. Yes, uh, I have been fine. I've been following the strict protocols imposed in yes. Canada, uh, right. and uh, it seems to work. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how those things work, right? <laughs> and and your family and the organization. Family's good. How's, the house yeah. looks like a, a boarding school because everyone works from home. <laughs> how many children do you have at home with you now? We have four children. Oh uh, we're very fortunate. But it's and a they're busy all out household. of school. I- they're all they're all working all all doing schooling remotely. I presume. Yeah, studying yeah, and, and yeah. going to school from home. Well, we've learned a lot about togetherness over this last year, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hear a little bit about you, your early life. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up, and you know what your your original early family life was like. Well, my family originates from the southwest of France. Um, mm. I was born uh, coincidentally in Morocco, North Africa, where my uh, parents were posted. Ah. Um, Foreign service or was your dad My father was actually um, a judge working for the French government. Wow. And he spent a number of years um, helping uh, the the, um, 
Moroccan judicial yeah. system. Well, Morocco, Morocco was a former colony of France, was, was it not? A, or uh, was it protectorate? Was not colony as such, but he was a protectorate. protectorate. So yeah, uh, right, right. Uh, the uh, the king of Morocco was always on the throne, right, and France was right. um, was uh, uh, cooperating, collaborating. Yeah, um, yeah. And my father was, you know, part of those um, French expats. And how many years did uh, your family live in Morocco? Ten years. Wow. Wow. So you were born there and was that the kind of the first 10 years you were alive or so? No, unfortunately I was born last. We were ah, okay. three boys. Uh, I was, I say unfortunately, because Morocco is a, is a, a absolutely fabulous country. Yes. yes. Uh, very rich culture, fa- wonderful people, yeah, wonderful yeah. food also. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> and and uh, I, I was, uh, I was born there and, and, and we left Morocco when I was two years old. Okay, so, so not a lot of memories from that. Memories, and, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you gone back, though, and visited there? And yeah, we, we have. Yeah. We have yeah. no family there, but uh, right, of course. there is a very strong emotional bond with Morocco yeah. within my yeah, family. I can imagine. And so when you moved back, where did you then grow up in France? I, I grew up in Toulouse, in uh, Toulouse yeah. southwest yeah. of France, right. uh, not far from Spain, Mm-hmm, uh, right mm-hmm. bang between uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. Beautiful there, and yeah, beautiful uh, very there. beautiful country. Um, yeah. And it's the it's a home capital of two things: <laughs> uh, for aerospace industry, Airbus right. yes. is located there, yeah. and uh, rugby. Um, and rugby. <laughs> so uh, you, you can't avoid any of those two. Oh, I love it. Were you a rugby player going up to? Was I grew that up one of playing your rugby. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, somehow, if you want to avoid it, you can't escape. <laughs> and and did uh, your dad continue as a judge in Toulouse? Was that part yes, of? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he continued uh, he, in the he did his whole career there. Yeah. And mother, does she work from the home with with, with four kids? Was, I would uh, imagine. In Morocco, she actually was a teacher, and then oh, cool. <clears throat> then when we moved to France, she. Uh, she uh, became an entrepreneur. She um, re-educated oh. herself uh, in uh, in uh, cosmetics and uh, and beauty, and she uh, opened a very strong, uh, very big spa, uh, oh, or nice. a little spa that became a very big yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, spa beauty center um, in Toulouse. And so she was uh, the entrepreneur of the family. Nice, nice, great. And then, uh, did your secondary high school the entire time in Toulouse, or did Dad have other assignments that you moved around with him with? Well, my father had other assignments, but the the, the, yeah. the, the, the family stayed uh, stayed in Toulouse. Yeah. In Toulouse. Yeah. Nice, um, nice. So we, we all uh, three brothers grew up there, uh, studied yeah. there. Were you a good student? I was. Uh-huh. I was okay. not a teacher's pet, but I enjoyed, <laughs> I have to say, but I enjoyed uh, studying. I enjoyed learning uh, more than right. studying, in fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was a little bit of a hyperactive kid, so I, I mm-hmm. had to do mm-hmm. many things. What were your favorite subjects in school? What did you excel at? I loved history. Mm. Um, I loved math um, and languages. I learned yeah. uh, English. I learned Spanish, German. Uh-huh. And uh, and those uh, those uh, influenced my uh, my youth very much. Yeah, can imagine. And rugby as well, of course. Oh, of that course. had some influence. Rugby, oh. uh, rowing. <laughs> rowing. A beautiful yeah, river well. in Toulouse. I, I I did a lot of rowing. Uh, 
I did the singing also. Uh, I went to uh, operatic singing classes. I right. went to. Wow. I did a, a lot of uh, painting and drawing as well. As I said, I was uh, my mother. You know, wanted to keep me busy, and uh, for sure yeah. I was busy. <laughs> right, That's, I can imagine. And and she had three other sons for which she had great experience bringing up. Right, two, so she two kind other, of had two a, other sons. Two yes. others. Okay, got it, got it. So, so she had it down by the time you were growing up. Right, she had the program in place. Yeah, she admitted at some <laughs> point that she uh, she was very privileged to have three sons, and uh, she probably couldn't have put up with a daughter. <laughs> ah, got it. I love it. Well, you know, growing up in North America, of course a lot of kids have paper routes and do a lot of entrepreneurial things. But I know in, in, in Europe, it's a little bit different. I lived there for about 10 years, mm. uh, you know, in my later youth, but did, were there things that you got involved with? Were there entrepreneurial activities or jobs that you had, or were you primarily focused on your education and sports during those sports early years? education, arts. Yeah. This is what yeah. we did a lot in, our, in my family. Right, a lot of right. music, as I said, and singing. Um, yeah. um, not so much young entrepreneur pocket money things right. however my right. parents were quite strict so when we reached the age of 14 which mm. is uh, the legal uh, time when you are allowed to start start working for, right. for a job um, we uh, all three sons had to spend one month in summer every year working in a factory ah, uh, very good factory workers to make yeah. enough money to pay for our holiday. This is right. what, that was one wow. of the principles that my parents wanted to enforce. Nice. Uh, these nice. were very, uh, uh, you know, educational years when, uh, of course. months, I should say, when I, for three years in a row, I, I worked in a coffee factory. Oh my gosh. Wow. The same, the same one, uh, all three years? All three years. Or, yeah. Uh, being essentially, a. Uh, uh, you know, a blue collar worker on the line, uh, on the line, on the line, um, uh, yeah, very yeah. high temperature because, of course, so we were uh, roasting coffee, being roasting, coffee, yeah, absolutely. right, sure. And so, in the summer, summer is hot in the south of France, oh, yes, plus oh, yes. the factory heat. Um, I've learned to, you know, to be resilient and uh, and not complain because, uh, <laughs> you know, you, 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 I'm sure you understand when you come from a uh, a good family uh, with right. good education sure, and, and sure. you're perceived as being privileged by um, oh, yeah. every other workers oh, yeah. and uh, right. so you are you make sure you don't fail you make That's sure right. you you, right. you know you, you you play the course what were some of the lessons you took away from those three summers frankly i've learned a lot from uh, interacting with a social social class i was yeah. not yeah um you probably never had had that up to that age. Yeah, right? I was not meeting yeah. at school, and it, it, it right. and it still it still helps me today uh, because yeah. in the uh, jewelry industry and the retail industry, you don't only have high qualified, super highly educated people. You have right. uh, people from all over uh, uh, origins, of all course. kinds of origins, yeah. and right. and right. and and the, the, those years were very important for me. You develop some empathy, it sounds like, right? For, empathy, for but also respect. Class. You know, and respect, yeah. How right. to be respected and how mm. to respect others. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You are exposed to diversity and right. uh, inclusion, and it's not about being uh, uh, the wealthiest kid. It's not about being the, <laughs> the, the best educated. It's, it's about uh, um, being uh, respected for yeah. who you are rather than right. what you are. 
Now, you went on to university. Now, was that expected of, of, of all three sons in the family? Uh, dad, of course, had an education. Did, did mother go to university as well? Or? Yes, my parents yeah, went to university. Yeah. Right, right. It was not even questioned. I mean, this, yeah, this was Yeah, course, it was assumed. You know? Right, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you go to to university. You you uh, there 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 was there was no um, hesitation or no debate. That that right. was what we did. Uh, yeah. And uh, and you went to Paris, right? Originally, I, well, at the beginning, I started in Toulouse. Oh, in Toulouse, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Okay. Uh, so by default, I knew that. Um, my father was a lawyer. My uh, eldest brother chose uh, chose law as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. by default, I would go to law, and I, I I knew that I I I would enjoy the intellectual uh, challenges of a legal education. Right. But my mother was an entrepreneur, so I hesitated between the two, business yeah. and law, yeah. right. and I hesitated right. so much to so much that I did both. At the same time, yeah. <laughs> you studied business law, right? It made sense. I, did, I did law and I did business, so I went to law school and to business awesome. school. Yeah, um, yeah, and I did the two majors at the same time. Well, you ultimately went to London Business School, of course, one of the best in I Europe. Did. But, but uh, Nottingham Trent University. Now, was that part of your undergraduate? It as was. Well as it was part of yes. Uh, thanks That's to uh, you have a, you know in Europe you have a lot of exchange programs exchange between programs. Europe yeah. and right. European right. countries. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the Toulouse Business School, when I, where I was a student, I took advantage of a international exchange with the UK, right. and I went to Trent University in Nottingham. Yeah, uh, yeah. when I awesome. where I completed a, a, a bachelor of arts. Yeah, uh, yeah. in business. <laughs> Now I mentioned in the in the overview that you've been in the luxury goods business it, it, almost forever, almost your entire career, and of course uh, w- went to Cartier. It looks like pr- pretty much right out of school. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your thinking around pursuing that um, that industry per se. Yeah, that's that was very. Uh, I was very lucky. Coincidentally, I after my year in uh, Nottingham, um, uh, I finished my business course. Uh, business courses, in fact, uh, the French one and the English one. Right. And um, I had one more year to go to complete my uh, law degree. Uh, right. So that's where, when I, I, I moved to Paris, I went to La Sorbonne in Paris, uh, last year of law school. Oh. And during that year, in order to pay for my accommodation, I, I looked for a part-time job. Right. And I found... Uh, part-time job uh, at Cartier. Uh, So it was the international head office of Cartier uh, where they needed someone to do some statistics for them. (laughs) Every morning I would do that, uh, compiling... Were they building a database uh, then or what was the statistical analysis? Something that was reported up to management or...? Yeah, it was about compiling uh, sales, margin and inventory from... Um, from every subsidiaries worldwide no, uh, in order to try to make sense of, uh, you know, it was yeah. essentially like a, a merchandising and plan, planning uh, division in right. the watch uh, department of Cartier, yeah. where yeah. I, I was going every morning. Um, I did that for, the, you know, for the almost a year. Uh, I completed my law degree Mm. And and immediately, um, Cartier offered me a job. 
And did they put you right into management? Uh, did they have kind of a, a training program? I know you spent, gosh, uh, 12 years or so and you, and you left and came back and we'll get to that in a moment, but how did they kind of start you out? What was the, what was the, the, the training and the development in those early days at Cartier? Yes. That's the, the first job they offered me was at the, uh, international head office. And I was, I stayed in the watch, uh, division at Cartier. Um, uh, and the job I had was a product uh, development job. Mm. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so product manager, and uh, I was given responsibility quite early, not management responsibility, but, but product management. And that was what, for, for new products development or was existing, exactly. existing new lines? Yeah. New products. Oh, cool. Range range management, collection management, and new product uh, for uh, uh, watch, yeah. watches. Um, that was absolutely fascinating for me. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a, something like I, I, I had never been exposed to before. Right. My family was not. Uh, family uh, cons- typically consuming cons- consumer uh, luxury goods, right, uh, sure. and, and so I was very impressed by the aesthetics and the quality mm. of of the product. Mm. Uh, that's what kept me going. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you got kind of the the early taste of uh, the luxury goods, and and it stuck with you. <laughs> it did. It did yeah, because uh, yeah. because. It's a very uh, uh, versatile, multifaceted industry where you see right. the beauty of things, the high quality, mm. the devotion, complete mm. dedication of the people. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like working in some of those brands is like a mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and emotionally and intellectually, this, this, uh, it's always very stimulating to, to work for those brands. Very high attention to detail and quality. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's not yeah, just about awesome. numbers. Do you remember the first time you started managing people? Was that at Cartier? Professionally, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and and that's a good question in terms of leadership. You know, do you have yeah. to uh, be employed to uh, to to manage people? Uh, you know, in the past, before that, when I was a teenager, I was uh, offered the opportunity to be a captain of the rugby team. Right. Or right. I was a representative, class representative at school. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and I was exposed to you know somehow a form of management um, right. um, at 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 um, Cartier. Uh, I after four years I I got promoted to uh, uh, marketing and, and merchandising director in the UK right. for Cartier right. London. Uh, this is when I started actually to uh, have people uh, re- having reporting. a team reporting to yeah. me and managing them. Yeah. yeah. Was the leadership style different there because of the quality of the products? You know, did that play out in a different way, or or is it fairly much the same as it relates to kind of some of the leadership principles uh, that you employed there? You know, I mean, I think Cartier had a, a very strong culture hmm. uh, based and influenced by the charisma of the of the leaders. Of course, at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Extremely charismatic, very inspiring people, mm, mm. Um, and they were like leading the pack. Uh, it was almost a gang. Um, mm. I'm, I'm talking about 30 years ago, uh, right, so we right. felt we were there conquering the world, uh, <laughs> having fun, um, right. uh, working very hard, um, and and we were not really one questioning. Um, 
the next step in terms of career, uh, mm. you know, or, uh, or, or really asking management questions. There were clear leaders. There were super in- inspiring people. Yeah. And all the employees, and especially my generation of, of young managers and directors, um, we were simply like uh, disciples. Was was there mentoring that went on? You know, was there was there active mentoring that went on? In other words, are people you know, more senior in the organization that you would go to, and that would be you know kind of cultivating your career, or was it kind of left more to the individual to seek those people out? It was very much left to the individuals. The culture yeah, was very yeah. entrepreneurial. It was right, uh, based right. on camaraderie. Uh, it was most certainly not as formal uh, and structured as it is today. Um, and and uh, I felt the values are, were, for me, within Cartier, very close to what I had experienced in rugby. Mm. You know, yeah. play hard, right. uh, uh, work hard, and... Okay, uh, yeah. And you know you're all together as a gang, and 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 you you have fun, and you learn, and and, and you you know you learn as you go. What were some of the earliest leadership lessons that you took away from those those periods, thirty odd years ago, as you mentioned? Those, I mean, for, it's a good question, Brant. What I remember from that time is very much uh, the passion. You know, hmm. the moves were not calculated. They were all driven by uh, a sense of uh, commitment, engagement, very strong emotional uh, yeah. uh, uh, bond with colleagues and, and with your boss, whom you admired, right. and, and, and just going for it. There was no limit. It was, uh, those were very passionate years. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So you left, you went to Richemont for a couple of years, and then came back. So tell well, us a little fact, bit about that. Cartier <laughs> uh, belongs to Richemont. So Richemont is a group, a holding company uh, owns, that owns Cartier. But I left. I left after 10 years, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and I left <laughs> to go to London Business School. Okay. Right. And the reason I left uh, was at, it was exactly 1999 at the time turn of the century we were were going through the first uh, uh, internet bubble and and internet was uh, already uh, in its first uh, revolution e-commerce was going through its first revolution and I really I felt I was uh, in my uh, early uh, late no no mid 30s Right, mid thirties, right. and I felt like, oh my god, uh, this is happening! It's an incredible uh, yeah. revolution. Right. It's going to change the world. And at the time, the luxury goods industry was extremely skeptical. Mm. Uh, a lot of brands, especially the watch and jewelry brands, that were saying, Mm-mm-mm, "This is not, not for happen. us. Yeah, right, uh, right. This is too mass market. Uh, mm. No control." Of quality, not enough mm. control of payments and and protection for the customer, protection for the for the products, and I felt like, oh my god, am I miss, <laughs> am I missing an opportunity here? <laughs> right, right. Particularly just coming out of business school. 
right? Because you were exposed to all those things and had the opportunity to learn, you know, case studies and other types of things that was going on at that time. Yeah, Very but you know, I, I, had, I, had, I had been working for 10 years. Right, uh, sure. Uh, law school and business school had, were far behind. Right. So I, I, I said to myself, maybe it's time for me to do an MBA. Uh, yeah. Repackage myself, relearn, yeah. rediscover. And yeah. so that's what I did. I, I found London Business School and I chose London Business School because at the time, the London Business School had just received a massive grant, uh, more than 200 million uh, pounds wow. to create the foundation of entrepreneurial management. Um, and so that inspired me and I left to join London Business School mm. because those were a very exciting time for, yeah. for, the, for the school. And you did that full time. Right. I so did you, that you full took time, time off, right. self-financed. Yeah. Um, I borrowed money. Um, I, I had wife and kid, and um, and off we went. Yeah. Wow. Uh, back to being a student. Yeah. Uh, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. I mm. I really uh, developed with uh, you know school. Uh, Was it a one-year program? A two-year yes. program? The, the program is a is a kind of uh, uh, it's an MSc actually, but yeah, it's, a, it's an, an yeah. MBA yeah. for it's a one year MBA uh, called the Sloan Fellowship Program. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of the students were company sponsored, or and the other part were self sponsored. Uh, I was uh, self sponsored, and and um, and you know I felt I was buying a year of my life. Mm. Uh, mm. and repackaging myself. It was fabulous. Yeah. But then you came back to Richemont exactly. in a Volte Cartier. So good. Tell us a little bit about that. How, how did that come about? Why, why leave if, if you go back here? If you come back well, here. That's right. The thing that, is, uh, and that was the, the, the irony of the story because mm. at, the, at the end of that year, and we were almost a, one week before the end of the program, I received a call from the CEO of Richemont and as I said earlier, mm. Richemont is a holding company. That's the holding company. Uh, right, Cartier, uh, yeah. right, right. Uh, they probably have about 20 luxury brands, mm. Cartier being one mm. of them. The CEO of Richemont calls me and says, look, you've left. Uh, you went to business school. Uh, I like what you did. Uh, I mm. think you have guts. Uh, I need a right-hand man. Wow. Uh, would you join me? And this was the CEO of Richemont. This is the Correct. CEO of the holding company. Wow. And so I... And I felt like, oh my God, why, why? <laughs> Can I say no to this? <laughs> why do I have to be submitted to this dilemma, you know, to this oh, question? I had gracious. business plans with friends, uh, financed yeah. by the... The internet was exploding, right? Everyone was excited about that. Exactly. Right? Venture oh, capitalists goodness. from the city of London yeah. oh, my gosh, giving yes. you money to create whatever you mm. want. Mm. And I and we had three business plans, you know, cooking uh, nicely, uh, <laughs> and and then uh, I went to see the dean of the London Business School and said, "Look, mm. I, I don't know what I should do. I'm, I'm, I have this I, dilemma. I, yeah. I was not ex yeah. expecting this." And the dean, what did said, he or she say? He said, uh, "I have one question for you. I'm not going mm. to give you an answer, but you should ask yourself of all the people, you know, business plans, venture capitalists." Mm. Uh, uh, Ecom guys and right. the Richemont guy. Of all these people you are currently interacting with, uh, who would you really jump 
out of this window for, and he showed mm. me the window. <laughs> it was on on, yeah, on the third floor. So, <laughs> yeah, and I uh, and I said, okay, thank you. I don't need any more of your time. Wow. I think I have my answer. Wow. So I yeah. called back the CEO of Richemont because he was the most inspiring man I had yeah. ever met wow. before. So so wow. that's that's what I and did. you had you worked with him or knew of him? No, uh, I knew of him. Your because team? You knew of him, right? Because yeah. he yeah. he was actually the ex the ex CEO of Cartier. Okay, got it, got it. His reputation preceded him, as we say, right? <laughs> somehow, yes, and somehow. He didn't. He didn't know me when I was at Cartier. I was too too young, too uh, uh, not yeah. senior enough. Yeah. And but and I I knew uh, knew him you obviously, but never worked yeah. with him. But I right. knew, I wow. knew how he, how strong wow. he was and charismatic. Wow. So I was privileged oh, to fantastic. be with with him yeah. every day for two years, and I learned so much uh, from yeah. a wonderful man and very strong businessman. Well, that obviously solidified your career in the luxury goods business, right? <laughs> there was no going back after that. <laughs> but you did go back to Cartier, right? You came the, the, the president and managing director. Now, was that the, for the global business uh, that you then headed up? After two years with, uh, with Mr. Perrin, that was his name, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. he, uh, he actually told me, I have a great job for you. You're going <laughs> to be the leader of Cartier in France. Wow. And you will be actually leading the the entire Richemont organization for the French market. So uh, I was uh, managing director of Cartier France and at the same time... The crown jewel. Yeah, right? and managing Literally. director of Richemont right. uh, for Richemont operations, back yeah. office yeah. functions, support functions. Uh, so that was fabulous. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, after, after, after a year at London Business School, over two years later, uh, to be offered... That kind of right. job is uh, is like a golden uh, gift, you know. The crown jewel, the yeah. crown jewel. Yeah. But you went on to Boucheron. Now, is Boucheron is that part of a Richmond Group, or nope. was that a separate? Okay, all right. So, tell us about that transition. What what kind of inspired you after just a couple of years in that role to take your first CEO job? Yeah, yeah. that was another big dilemma. Uh, mm, and I, I actually yeah. I had to go and ask Mister Perrin for permission <sighs> to leave Richmond. <laughs> <sighs> That had not, that, that was a difficult conversation. It was, it was, I just because of imagine. course I was almost, as uh, I started my career there, after 16 years. He was probably in his 70s, right? 60s or 70s at the time, or? It, I, frankly, Brad, I felt for me that I was born in that family, you know? Yes. And yes. I was there uh, going to somehow. Going to your grandfather, right? Right? And telling him you're leaving the family or something yes. like that, and I right? I felt that. I felt <laughs> somehow I had to go through this process of mm. cutting the umbilical cord. Um, uh, and So difficult. When Boucheron approached me, actually, that was a role for a global CEO. Where, where, was it by a recruiter or did they come to you directly? Yeah, recruiter. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah uh, right, right. You were on the radar screen by then. Probably had been for some time. <laughs> Search um, yeah, and uh, the classic, you know, process of head and and head and of course, and of course. I know a little bit about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you do. Uh, you do. And so they chose me. That, that was a very long process. Yeah. Very long right. process. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, on and off because um, for six months I didn't hear from them, and then they came back, and eventually. Uh, right. Uh, right. Um, uh, it took very 
quite some time for them to choose a CEO. So yeah, uh, I yeah. was offered the position. And again, at that time, I was uh, 39. I was not yet 40. And I felt, uh, wow, yeah. uh, God, here you are. You're not even 40. You're yeah. given the opportunity wow. to lead a company globally. Uh, is that going to happen again? Not sure. Mm. And that mm. was, of course, Boucheron was a much smaller business than the oh, yeah. Very small business, yeah. oh, in yeah. fact. Yeah. But yeah. another crown jewel mm. uh, in the family uh, or in the club, in the club right. of uh, right. high of the... jewelry <laughs> luxury companies, yeah. Boucheron yeah. is uh, is one of those top notch. Uh, so, uh, so I left. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. After tough asking one. How was that conversation? How was the conversation with your mentor, with the, the director of? So, oh God, you are. I brought you ask you ask the questions. <laughs> give me the highlights. Just give us the highlights. No, he said, "Look, uh, that was a funny one." He said, "I know." I said, "What do you mean, you know?" Well, you know, the shareholder of um, it's a small industry. Of Boucheron yeah. called yeah. me for a reference. Yeah, of I course. said, "Oh yeah. God, oh, there gosh. you go, yeah. small yeah. world." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I course. said, "What did you tell him?" And these are these were his words. I said. Go for Jean-Christophe. He is crystal. What do you mean crystal? Well, that's how I feel about you. You're mm. transparent and uh, yeah. you're pure. Go for it. Mm. Go. And mm. if I were in your shoes, I would go. I said, He'll okay. Let you go. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you, that's boss. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, you obviously had a terrific relationship with him. I did. I did. You spent seven, you spent seven years there, and uh, it was a part of a global business. For, first CEO job, I'm sure as a 40-year-old, barely, um, you know, a big organization, probably lots of folks uh, older than you, uh, you know, in your direct reporting, et cetera. What, what were some of the key challenges you had during those seven years? This is, I th I, uh, that's, that's a, a time when you are, <laughs> truly confronting, confronted with the, the question of leadership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where does your authority come from? That was the question. Right. Right. Not just being the boss and having a title, uh, the, you know, uh, on a label on, on the door of your office. It's mm. not enough. Yeah, um, yeah. Not from expertise, because of course, uh, I had, uh, uh, you know, the people who were, very much older, as you said, than, than me, but strong experts in hydro, right. in right. stones, and right. in, in international commerce, in uh, uh, dealing with uh, uh, you know the very wealthy clientele. Yeah. Um, so, so that that was an interesting challenge for me, mm. uh, and uh, it's all again. As I mentioned earlier, it's all about. And of course, you're the, you're the young buck. You're the young buck CEO coming from yeah. you know the big successful firm, right? And uh, oh my, I can imagine the the daggers that might have been out <laughs> in the hallways. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, simply simply um, you know gaining uh, your authority from yes, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, respect from from, and, and how from did others, you do that? having I mean, some uh, legitimacy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How, from, did you, 
How did you go about doing that? I mean, you know, the, the, the crystal, I mean, you know, I can hear that. Obviously, you've, you've talked about yourself and in, in the terms that I believe, um, you know, your, your, your mentor there, of course, at, uh, at Richmond New. But, uh, you know, you come into a new organization, you don't know anyone. Maybe there's a couple of former Cartier employees, yes, right? Yes, you're correct, ha- yes. How do you go about establishing that? How did you, how did you do that? Because you were there for a good long time, a good seven years. The, the, the point for me was, first of all, to gain uh, legitimacy. And, 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 uh, mm. and, and therefore, I decided to be authentic and not mm. play a game, not, right. not pretend I knew everything and I had an right. answer for every question. Right. Right. Uh, that was important for me. But also, I went through a very strong immersion into mm. the history and heritage of Boucheron. Mm. Yeah. I learned a lot. I studied a lot because... Right. Just in terms of style and design language, Boucheron is a very different company from uh, Cartier. And I didn't want to feel that I was coming with recipes. Right. I I wanted to come with experience, obviously. Yeah. Uh, And the authority had to come from the capacity to listen and learn Mm. from the Boucheron culture. Mm. Mm. So I traveled a lot. Uh, over the world met uh, the people. to meet everyone from Boucheron, Clients, a lot of yeah, presence customers. in Asia, uh, yeah. France. I also spent a, a week in the workshop and I asked mm. the, 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 the workshop uh, uh, manager to take me as an apprentice for a mm. week. So they laughed, mm. obviously. <laughs> uh, and I was. But you were serious. And huh? I made myself very ridiculous because, you know. To train a, a jeweler, jeweler of the level of jewelers employed by, in a workshop of Place Vendôme, whether it's oh Cartier gosh. or Boucheron. They've been doing this since they were teenagers. Yeah. Right? They start yeah. when they are teenagers. 30, 40, 50 years. And they, yeah. and they yeah. tr- get trained for somewhere between 10 and 15 years wow. before they become qualified jewelers. Right. 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 And I asked to, be, to sit on the bench for a week. Wow. Uh, and this is when going back to my teenage years when my parents were yeah. sending me to the coffee factory. Right, working in the summers. Yeah, this is yeah, where right, I, I, right. I uh, that that was helpful because you zip it close, you 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 look with your eyes, right? <laughs> you ask questions. And you, you ask listen. questions. Mm-hmm. You do things, and you yeah. know, for example, they give you a little a little seesaw, a hand seesaw mm. to cut mm. metal, to cut gold. Gold comes in a very slim bar. And you have to cut a straight line. There is nothing harder <laughs> in your entire life wow. than cutting a straight line in a golden bar. Oh uh, Brandt, yeah. that's that was you know I I did sweat blood to go through this. <laughs> and I'm sure you know learned a few things, but also gained a lot of respect and a lot of insights, right, into the I core did. of the business. I yeah. did because yeah. I made. Within that week, I made friends, and I right, I couldn't sure. stop from going back to the workshop to check what they were doing, whether yeah. things how for seven years, uh, wow. whenever I had spare wow. time, I was going there. Yeah, uh, yeah. because this back. is where yeah. everything you know takes uh, the origin of every product in this industry is in the workshop. Just celebrated nine years with Maison Bricks. You made the move to Canada, right? Another big geographic change. Yeah. Tell us how that came about and. Um, 
you know, kind of again, the, the, you've been your whole career in, in, in France, you obviously spent some time in London, you went to school, you worked there a couple of years, but big, big change, big, uh, you know, continental shift. So tell us a little bit about the decision making that went into that. Yeah, I was ready. I was ready for a challenge. Yeah. I really mm. was. And I, fr quite frankly, you can play uh, in the, when, once you are in this industry, especially in Europe, you can play safe. Mm. You can stay in your comfort zone yeah. and yeah. you can keep collecting medals, going from one company to another, one yeah. brand yeah. to another. Um, and I f didn't feel like it was for me. Um, mm. And my wife and I, you know, uh, were feeling by 20, after the, the financial crisis, you know, yeah. in, in right. 2008, we were in 2010 when we were saying, okay, sh should we stay in Europe? You know, right. is, this, right. is this the future for our children? Yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, we have four children. Were the kids, were the kids still in school then? They're oh, still small, in, uh, very small. Yeah, small. Were, so, yeah, uh, yeah, in the yeah. last, we have twin yeah. boys were, were oh. four years old. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And uh, the eldest was was just thirteen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we th we're thinking about different opportunities, and should we go to Asia? Should we go to right. North America or yeah. anywhere yeah. else? And this op opportunity came mm. um, from Through again, a once again, well, from or, a search or... firm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. And. Um, I was ready to look into it because uh, yeah. I, I felt, uh, why not? You know, this Time is a big right. change, yeah. cultural yeah. change, business change, yeah. uh, everything new, everything new. But had you traveled, you, you had traveled to Canada before, I'm sure, in your travel. I had you had, ever lived in Montreal or spent any I time in Quebec? To, I had been to Montreal once before. Once, wow, wow. <sighs> but the, uh, the idea of, uh, it was a family decision. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and really a decision not so much for me but for my for our kids yeah. Uh, yeah. my wife and i felt canada is a very inclusive country a very welcoming mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. reputation worldwide yeah. right. fabulous for education yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and uh and and um, socially Yes, uh, very nice people. A very, yeah. very nice place. So yeah. we welcoming, welcoming culture. Absolutely, integrative yeah. and, and yeah. welcoming, and yeah. and we felt um, let's try this. All right, That's let's fantastic. go for it. And and is Maison Bricks? Is it was it about the same size as Boucheron? Also smaller? Yeah, actually, you're right. This uh, very comparable in terms of size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Not right. as, of course, as internationally spread. Yes, but right, in terms right. of volume of business, very comparable. Uh, originally founded in in Canada, right, and from from Montreal originally. This is not their yeah their founded in Montreal roots. by Henry yeah, Burks yeah, in eighteen seventy nine, as yeah, you, as yeah. you mentioned, right, right. Uh, an Englishman uh, in Canada, like a pioneer. Ah, it's one of one yeah. of the can you believe it's one of the oldest companies in Canada. How how have you found your leadership style change, you know, over these last this last decade, particularly with the continental shift, moving to more North American and, you know, working in a similar size company, but but you know, obviously different culture. Very, very different. Mm. Uh, and I was not prepared for such a cultural difference, in fact. Yeah. In terms yeah. of management culture. Mm. Uh, so it's not so much about uh uh, what I was referring to uh, earlier, the, you know, the charisma, the uh, 
authenticity. Passion. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very much about being accepted, but, but mm. North America has a tradition of collaboration, um, which is stronger than Europe. Um, mm. um, the, the, uh, uh, the sense of uh, sharing and uh, listening, being heard, mm. checking that what you say is accepted is mm. stronger here in North America. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is that in Europe, if you are the leader, uh, you know, uh, people complain because that's what <laughs> Europe does, uh, but they, they act, they do. Um, in North America, uh, there is a much more uh, sensitivity uh, mm -hmm. um, to, the, to the decisions. Uh, yeah. It's not so much that people criticize decisions, but they have to accept yes, the yeah. decisions. And, more collaborative. And mm -hmm. from a collaborative point of view, yeah, but also yeah. from their own uh, cultural and emotions mm. uh, viewpoint. Mm. Um, uh, diversity is important in North America, and every sensitivity, every cultural differences have to be, uh, or, or gender, or religious, or uh, ethnical background, have to be taken into consideration. Right. It's right. not so strong in, uh, in Europe. Let's talk a little bit about culture. You mentioned the differences between Europe and, and, and obviously North America, but you know the Maison Burke's culture, again, 1879 has been around going into its third century. You know, you're coming in, uh, obviously, after many, many CEOs before you, but yet the CEO does set the culture and the tone. What, what would you say is kind of most unusual or perhaps unique about Maison Burke's culture? You know, the, the previous CEO had been in place for 12 years, which is long right. for a CEO. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been now here for nine years, so it's not... Which is also long. It's not, it's not <laughs> bad, but, but... Don't worry, I'm not looking to take you away. But, I... <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, it's all about enjoying the time and of building course. over yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's yeah. long time driven, and I like that. Uh, mm, yeah. uh, I, I like the... Um, this uh, uh, making your footprint uh, mm, perceived mm -hmm. as being there for good and long and not just uh, uh, like a little uh, bee uh, going yeah, from one, right. one yeah. flower up the, to Up the ladder and on to the next thing. Yeah, right. right. So the, 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 the culture at Boucheron was, um, at, uh, sorry, Burke's, was very traditional, mm. uh, kind of old school. Uh, it is in Quebec, which is a you know, as you know, French-speaking province. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is perceived; it was perceived as a Anglo company. Mm. Uh, Interesting, yeah, right. The right. old boys, uh, old yeah, yeah. Anglo yeah. families, uh, founded by an Englishman. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So it felt like um, uh, the prince had to kiss the bride. <laughs> Uh, you know, to to make her uh, to make her feel younger. Uh, Interesting. I, you know, yeah. I had a feeling I had to refresh yeah. a lot yeah. of things in order to adapt to the new world. Uh, mm. That's that was my impression. A yeah. lot of people had been there, yeah. you know, many many years. Right. Uh, right. It's great from that point of view, but uh, uh, the, the loyalty to the company is fabulous. But yeah. there, there, I. I could sense there was resistance to change. Mm. 
right. uh, that I had to respect, obviously. I didn't yeah, want to yeah. shake everything. Mm -hmm. But I, little by little, touch by touch, I had to uh, adapt the company to to the 21st century. Freshen, freshen things up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and, and hire, Jean-Christophe? Huh. The number one item is trust for mm. me. Mm. Uh, it's quite sensitive, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not a, mic I'm a micromanager. I'm not... Right. Uh, helicopter manager trying mm. to control. I'm not a control freak. Uh, I, I'm right, rather a right. team player. Um, and I have to trust that the people are doing their part and not playing games. Um, one aspect, actually, of the North American culture and uh, or Canadian culture from that point mm. of view, and I, I'm lucky with Burks, there is way less politics here mm. in uh, Canada in, at Berks than there was in, at uh, other the, my previous companies. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. The companies I worked for were belonged to very big, large groups, big holding companies. Right, right. And the politics are, are quite a, a, Thick. A, an important aspect <laughs> of, uh, of life right, right, within a big right, group. Sure. Berks sure. is a standalone company. It doesn't belong to wow. a group. So yeah. we are... You know, doers. Uh, we have our destiny in our hands, mm -hmm. and I, and I like that. Uh, yeah. It's very, it's a very true relationship, very authentic. Well, Jean Christophe, you've been very, very generous with your time. I appreciate it. But we always have one last question uh, before we let you go, and and that's what kind of career and life advice would you give someone that perhaps is you know mid career, maybe you ten, fifteen years ago before your first CEO assignment, and uh, you know maybe they have their eyes on the corner office. What what would you advise them to do? Well, thank you for your comments, Brandt. Uh, um, but um, you know it's important. If someone aspires to become a, a CEO, especially in today's world, mm. the new generation, let's talk about Generation Z, uh, these guys mm. were born with technology. Uh, That's right. And as much as uh, they understand all about technology, which, you know, uh, generations like, uh, like ours, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we learned it, but we were not born in it. That's right. That's um, right. I would I would invite them to to not consider this as enough. It's great, but it's not enough. Right. And I would tell a young person, a young girl, a young boy, you have to travel, expose yourself, expose yourself to other cultures, learn to accept and be accepted, mm. learn to be tolerant. Uh, you don't learn to be tolerant online. You mm, learn to be tolerant right. by confronting yourself with yeah, people yeah. who don't speak your language, don't right. have your religion, mm. don't have the same culture as yours. Mm. It doesn't mean that they are above or below you. They are like you. And right. you have to really learn languages and travel. Yeah. Follow your instinct, of course. Don't do what... Uh, people tell you to do and do what you love. Mm. You are only very mm. good at what you love. Yeah. Don't force yourself. Yeah. Just right. go for, for what, 
what drives you in life, what gives you pleasure. John Christoph Bittos, the chairman, president and CEO of Maison Burks, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Well, thank you so very much, Brandt, for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.